Hey, thanks for checking out the Shift with John Jang podcast. Tonight, we're going to be checking in with Nikki Reitmeyer. Now, if you live in Vancouver, you listen to 980 CKNW. You're probably very familiar with that name already. Nikki is a contributor on Mornings with Simi Sarah on CKNW. But more importantly, perhaps, she plays a multitude of roles on the Chorus Radio Network, including being the voice of many different network shows, such as the Charles Adler Tonight and The Shift, not just with Shane Hewitt, but also with John Jang. We'll check in with Nikki to see what she's got planned for 2021. And then later on, we're going to be also checking in with the senior reporter at 980 CKNW, that is Janet Brown, and having a very interesting discussion about whether or not minor hockey should be shut down. If they're following the rules, should it be shut down? Or is it better to just let things shut down and make it come back when it's safe to do so for everybody? Finally, we'll learn Portuguese with Leo as we do once a week. Enjoy. All right, we have a, a very special guest, uh, someone that you know, someone whose voice I'm sure you will recognize. She has filled in on this show uh, a bunch of times in the past. We are joined by our very own Nikki Reitmeyer. Hi, Nikki. Hi, John. How you doing? I'm doing well, although I admit it's a, it's a bittersweet appearance that you're making here on the show tonight because the truth of the matter is, as we pull back the curtain, as we like to do on the show, uh, the reality is, is that soon you won't be with the company uh, when we flip the calendar over to the new year. So it's, uh, it's it's bittersweet, like I said, because on one hand, I'm really excited for you and your new endeavor. On the other hand, when I started at CKNW and I started here at this company, uh, you were one of the first who reached out and offered some advice, offered uh, an opportunity to connect over beers or coffee, which because of the whole pandemic situation, we haven't been able to do just yet. But yeah. I just wanted to shout out that um, I, I personally have found your work to be excellent and when I'm on CKNW uh, in the daytime during the week as a contributor, I've always thought to myself whenever I'm trying to do a little segment or a little feature or any kind of interview, what would Nikki do? <laughs> and how would Nikki do it? Because let's not kid ourselves. You are the class. You are the gold standard for all contributor work on the station. So um, just wanted to, first of all, congratulate you on this exciting new move and give you an opportunity to say hello to our listeners again. You are warming my cold, tiny heart. <laughs> Thank you, John. That's so sweet of you. No, it, it has, it's been a pleasure working with you. And it's been a pleasure hosting The Shift when I've had the opportunities to do that and to interact with our listeners all, all the times that I've been able to. And, you know, I'm really grateful for all those opportunities that I have had. And yes, alas, I received notice the company will be firing me in the new year. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 no. I um, I did get a, an employment opportunity elsewhere, as they say, outside of the radio industry. So uh, it's an opportunity I'm going to take, but right. I'm going to miss so many things about working here and working with you guys because I really, really enjoyed it. You know, uh, I, I, I'm sure I speak for everyone listening on the show, uh, certainly the people that work on the show. We're going to miss you a lot, and uh, you will continue to carry on you'll have a legacy of sorts because as mentioned you're kind of like the official voice of the shift uh here with john jang with shane hewitt you're also the voice of many different shows on the network including charles adler and so let's talk a little bit about just the roles you've played because you're not just a contributor and you're not just a host you do a multitude of things for the company which is why you're so invaluable so let's start with the the voicing part and as we're just listening to you now it's easy to understand why you are the voice of the network shows. Um, you know, what does that mean to you, knowing that uh, as people are listening in to all these different shows on the network, you're the first voice they hear when it turns to 7 o'clock, for example, here on the West Coast, and it's Charles Adler time. 
Oh, well, I mean, I, I guess when, you know, this, doing voiceover work is another side of radio work. You know, if there's anyone listening who's worked in radio in the past, they get it. You know, you get called in by the producer to go record a commercial for the local car dealership, or maybe it's for the radio station itself. And it's something I've really in, enjoyed over the years doing. I guess I suppose that the strategy is you want to sound subtle enough that no one recognizes that it's you and that you don't stand out. You don't stand out but it's still a nice sound to listen to when you're saying, you know, you're listening to The Shift with John Jang. So I've really enjoyed being able to be a part of all the different shows on these radio stations in those little subtle ways. And hopefully, you know, you're you're letting people know that this is going to be a fun show to listen to. It's going to be an exciting segment to listen to. It's a reason why they should listen. And you're kind of taking on a bit of the, the station's identity while, you know, subtly working your own style into it as well. So, yeah, it's kind of funny. It's one of the things um, that I do where, you know, your name isn't associated with the work that you're doing. And rightfully so, you know, you just want to, you want to subtly kind of slide in there a little bit, let people know what they're listening to, not you, but what they're listening to and who else they're listening to. In this case, you. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I, I, I don't remember which actor mentioned this in an interview that I watched years and years ago, but they mentioned like, you know, you've made it in the industry when you start just doing cameo roles that go uncredited because people <laughs> already just kind of recognize who you are without having to attach your name officially to the project. So in a way, that's kind of what you're talking about here. You've made it. And now <laughs> it's time to ride off into the sunset. Eh? <laughs> If only I got paid the big bucks like these actors do. Oh, when they I know. Role and they get like, I don't know, $500,000 just to pop in for a single scene in a movie. Yeah. Then you really know that you've made it. <laughs> well, it's Hollywood North, as we like to call it in Vancouver. So maybe, just maybe, that'll be your next, next endeavor. Who knows? Yeah, I, I still have that face for radio that's holding me oh, back. Oh, come Otherwise. on. <laughs> You do you know who you're talking to right now? Come on, let's let's not go there. Let's not go there, uh, Nikki. Not only have you been the official voice of these shows on the network, but you've also done uh, some incredible work with some podcasts. So uh, talk to us a little bit about those projects, and uh, first of all, how much it matters to you, and you know where it all kind of started. Yeah, so it started with. This is why. And that was a podcast that myself and a good friend of mine and also a colleague of mine, John O'Dowd, were doing together. And we were really inspired by a podcast called The Daily, which maybe you're familiar with from the New York Times, extremely successful podcast. And I loved that it was not only presenting relevant current affairs that were happening, you know, these exciting events that were occurring in our lifetime, but it was so well produced. And I really like good production work. So we wanted to do something like that. We were inspired and we wanted to make it Canadian. So we released a weekly podcast called This Is Why, where we tried to present current affairs with a really high production value. And This Is Why aired as, as a podcast that you could get on all those regular podcasting platforms. And it also aired on the weekend programming across the Chorus Radio Network. So that was really fun. It was a ton of work. Mm -hmm. And eventually we ended up uh, handing over the reins to a couple of fellows in Alberta who have taken it on. And I'm really glad to see that they're continuing on with the success of it and really happy to see them doing so. Now, the other podcast project that I work on is with Larry Gifford, who has been an incredible advocate for Parkinson's disease. He right. was diagnosed a few years ago after he started to notice some symptoms that he was experiencing, things changing in his life and in his well-being. And he has gone on this journey of being an advocate 
for Parkinson's disease, having conversations with people who have Parkinson's in that community, doctors who have given such insight to the listenership as to, you know, what he has been experiencing, what others have been experiencing. It's been a really cool ongoing conversation about a disease that I previously really didn't know that much about. I still only know the tip of the iceberg about it, but it's really opened my eyes to, to how diverse this disease is. There's so many different symptoms. You know, before when I thought of Parkinson's, I just thought of Michael J. Fox. Right. And now I realize how many more people have been touched by Parkinson's and, and all the different ways that it presents. And getting that education for me has been really, really valuable. So it's been a real pleasure being a part of that podcast. And unfortunately, as I go on to my new role, I won't be on When Life Gives You Parkinson's mm -hmm. anymore. But I encourage everyone listening to continue uh, downloading When Life Gives You Parkinson's. And this is why, because both of those podcasts are still going strong and still doing some really incredible work. I, I love that you mentioned how eye-opening that experience really was for you. It's one of the pillars on the show, not just with myself, but with Shane as well, where we honestly just talk about what it's like to go through some of those challenges. Now, personally, you know, we, I, I personally don't know what it's like having Parkinson's, but when it comes to issues of mental health, uh, mm -hmm. other health-related issues, we shouldn't ever str strive uh, uh, to, to ignore those things because like everyone goes through it. And there's plenty of people that are still going through challenges, especially during this very weird as they like to call unprecedented year with the whole pandemic. So I love that, uh, you know, you were able to work on a podcast that brings to light a very real issue. And hopefully for those that are dealing with Parkinson's, it gives them a chance to feel like, hey, I'm not alone in this. And it's really good to see that there's actual media coverage on this, because really, that's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of options available for things like that. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about discussing the stigma around mental health, mm -hmm. I got to give a shout out to John McComb, who, of course, our Vancouver listeners will know very well. He was the, the morning show man on CKNW for a very long time. Another good friend of mine who I worked with for, for quite some time as well. And John was an advocate before his time for mental health on the radio. And he shared a lot of his own struggles, what he was going through in such an incredibly honest way way it was so moving seeing him be so honest with what his struggles were john is you know we still talk on the phone i still love staying in touch with him and i still admire him for all the work that he's done on the radio but particularly for what an advocate he was when he before he retired uh, for mental health. And I know he continues his advocacy into retirement as well, but what he did on the air, it was really, really impressive stuff. I uh, never had the pleasure or the privilege of meeting John um, because our, our, our careers just didn't match up by the time that I had joined. He had, uh, he had already retired, but I do know about the the truths that you're speaking when it comes to him being such an advocate for mental health. And certainly, uh, you know, as you now move on to a new endeavor, I think we can say that you are an, also a, a champion of mental health awareness and uh, with Parkinson's as well. So we commend you for all the work that you've done in your career over the years. But that brings us to the next portion of this conversation, because as you hinted, uh, you're, you're moving on to a new chapter of your life where you won't be in the industry anymore. Yeah. Um, you and I have, and Shane for that matter, we all kind of have a similar timeline career trajectory in radio where we started off in music radio. Mm -hmm. And then kind of managed to find our way into AM talk radio. So here's my first question. 
how did you get started in radio? And what if you if you you don't have to name names if you don't want to because after all we we're in one specific company and it could be a different company that you started it. But uh, what kind of music were you working in for that particular beginning of your career? Okay, yes, I actually started with Chorus Radio. So hey, look at that! I know, right? Easy. Uh, I started in Vancouver at Chorus Radio. But then, you know, realized that I wanted to be in music radio. So I went to Medicine Hat, Alberta, where I worked at a brand new rock radio station. It was so new that we were broadcasting out of a trailer on the side of Highway 1. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> in a dirt parking lot across from Hotel. <laughs> it, was, it was really fun. Right. Uh, that was my first experience with minus 40 degree weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was something else, but I loved it. It was really fun to go there. I made some great friends. Uh, I moved to Calgary after that, and I worked at a pop radio station in Calgary, uh, where again I experienced more minus forty weather. <laughs> <laughs> the Chinooks, though the Chinooks. Yeah, the Chinooks, right? Yeah, bless the Chinooks. Uh, before moving back to Vancouver once again, but I guess what really inspired me to get into radio to begin with is that. I wasn't smart enough to go to university. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I totally relate. Yeah. Right. When your grades aren't good enough to get into a high-end university, you get a diploma in radio broadcasting. Hey. <laughs> um, that's what I pursued was my diploma in radio broadcasting and had lots of fun doing it. Between you and I, I wanted to be an archaeologist or an anthropologist when Whoa. I was a kid. And look at me now, a soon-to-be unemployed radio broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it all go wrong? Yeah. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I mean, you've, you've turned uh, uh, your inability to get into university, as, as I did, uh, you've turned it into a wonderful career in radio. And uh, now you get to leave on your own terms, which not a lot of people get to say in this very cutthroat industry. So I think yeah. that alone also deserves quite a bit of praise. And as we like to do on the show, some golf claps for you, Nikki, because that's Thank not easy you. to I do. Fired. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it happens in the in industry, as we know. It does happen. Uh, in case you're just joining us, we're, uh, we're speaking with a good friend and a colleague. That's Nikki Reitmeyer, the official voice of so many shows on the network. And uh, if you live in Vancouver, you listen to 980 CKW, you know exactly who Nikki Reitmeyer is. And Nikki, just sharing the news that uh, you're moving on at the end of the year to something very exciting. Um, and, and again, you you get to leave on your own terms. So that is just fantastic. Now, before we wrap this up, mm -hmm. I've got these lightning trivia questions here for you because in case the listeners who might not be in Vancouver, they might not know all the things about Nikki and they might not know enough about you before you go. So I just kind of figured, here's, here's what we're going to do. The next 60 seconds, we're going to set a timer and I'm going to rip through as many questions with you as you can. And you can... Just give one word answers or you can elaborate. It's up to you, but we've got 60 seconds and I've got these questions ready. Are you, uh, are you feeling prepared for this? I guess so. Should I have like a, a shot of whiskey or something before we start here? Just Absolutely. A it's a Friday night. Why not? <laughs> a shot of okay. All right. Let's do it. All right. Here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Steady. And here we <sighs> go. Uh, question number one, favorite chip flavor. Uh, um, the salt and vinegar, salt and vinegar. Dream vacation spot. Oh, um, uh, Bora Bora. Pepsi or Coke? Um, neither. They're terrible for your teeth. Summer or winter? <laughs> oh, winter. Coffee or tea? Ooh, 
Coffee. Netflix or movie theaters? Oh, movie theaters. Favorite fruit? Uh, strawberries? Nice. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, 30 seconds. Do you play any instruments? Uh, no. Neither do I. Star Trek or Star Wars? Oh, um, Star Wars. Star Trek. Star Trek. There's no wrong answer. Favorite TV show? <laughs> um, uh, oh, gosh. Um, the Office. Uh, sushi or tacos? Oh, tacos. Nice. Vanilla or chocolate? Chocolate. Ski or snowboarding? Snowboarding. Camping or glamping? Oh, camping. Do you have any pets? Yes, two dogs. Oh, that is time. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. You know what? We got through a lot of these good questions. So uh, I, I got to elaborate here with you because uh, you, you were struggling between Star Trek and Star Wars. So you first said Star Wars, but then you reaffirmed your commitment to Star Trek. Yes, I can explain my thinking on this one. I love the original three Star Wars movies. Okay. I remember as a kid getting the VHS box set. My brother actually got that for Christmas one year, and I got the Indiana Jones box set nice. on VHS. Okay. Okay. So those six movies raised my brother and I. I love the original ones, but as they've gone on, I've kind of fallen off as a fan. However, <laughs> with Star Trek, well, I watched it when I was younger. I have so much respect looking back on Star Trek mm -hmm. for the technology that was predicted and the culture that is Star Trek, what they created in that universe and how some of it has actually come to fruition in real life, I find so incredibly interesting. It's very well, very said, well said, actually. actually. And, and I would totally, I would totally agree, agree because, because Star, Wars Star Wars had such a great beginning. The middle parts, eh, not so great. <laughs> And I think the best new, more modern Star Wars movie is the ones that aren't even attached to the saga. It's the Rogue One. And that's kind of like a standalone movie. So uh, mm -hmm. Star Trek, though, to your point, if we can one day get the replicator, you know what I'm saying? Like, just like yes. come up with any food you want, any drink you want, anything you want at the whim of just a command. Like, Alexa, bring me my coffee. Boom, it's right there in front of you. <laughs> that would be the dream. That right or the teleporter i want to get teleported somewhere else in an instant in a heartbeat oh you don't wait around at the airport anymore buying that expensive airport food <laughs> you're not jet legged when you get there just and you're somewhere else yeah beam me up scotty i think that's yes. what we're waiting for <laughs> nikki it's been such a pleasure you're not done with the company just yet you're sticking around until the end of the year and certainly you're going to be on uh, mornings with simmy over the next few weeks as we get ready for the holidays and then into the new year but thank you so much for joining us tonight and uh, thank you for being such a great colleague and we're going to miss you so much john it has been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me on the program i love what you've done with the shift i'm thrilled that you are the new host of the friday night shift and it's been going really really great so always a pleasure to hear your voice i'm going to keep tuning in on friday <laughs> nights because i love the show so much so thank you thank you thank you again I'll flip you the 20 later, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and bye, listeners. Thank you so much. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Uh, since we haven't gotten around to it just yet, let's bring in our good friend, Roberto. Yeah. Oh, he's been so patient tonight, you know, just waiting and waiting. But he's here now. All right. Are you okay with Nintendo 64 shooter games? Leo, you mentioned that you didn't really play a whole lot of N64. No, not a lot of 64. I but like Goldeneye? You didn't play Goldeneye? I watched, no, I watched the movie. Prince, Prince Frozen. <laughs> yeah, I did watch His first appearance oh. as James Bond. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, I, did, I didn't get to play this. 
Wow. I think I played Mario. So yeah, Mario Listen, Kart. Uh, yeah, on 64. Great. Like I said, I had uh, Super Nintendo was my first video game I had for many years up until changing to a PlayStation 1 in 99. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. All right. But like, but you've never played uh, GoldenEye? Like, you didn't You didn't need to own no, it. No, I, I, I didn't play the, 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 okay. the GoldenEye game. I did okay. watch the movie, yes. Okay. Well, well, the game came out like three years later than the movie did because of software development issues. But uh, our listeners, they... They know a thing or two. So how about you let Leo know how uh, strange and unusual it is to meet someone who's never played GoldenEye, especially since you're my age, you're 30 years old. So it's just, it's very uncommon. But I ask this question, are you okay with Nintendo 64 shooter games? Because another one of those shooter titles from the old days, it's getting a bit of a reboot. Do you remember this? I remember when everything changed. The floods. The storms. Fires, people dying in the streets. The corporations gave us solutions. A better world. And we welcomed them into our lives. But the laws of nature all right that is suspenseful i know but they don't actually address the title of the game so i'll just spoil it for you now perfect dark perfect dark which was uh like basically the same goldeneye game but made better with a brand new story original characters original plot line everything perfect dark is going to get a brand new edition, something that we've been waiting on for years and years and years and years. And maybe I'm a little quote unquote dating myself as a 30 year old, like a millennial, because I get excited when I hear news like this, but it was announced today uh, as part of the 2020 video game awards. They just wanted to make this announcement, get people all fired up, but perfect dark. And if you don't know what that is and you got a younger one in the family, maybe a son, a daughter or something, uh, ask them how excited they are to know that perfect dark is making a comeback. Not yet, It's not out just yet, but it's in development, and that's got me completely jazzed. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Right now, uh, we're going to be connecting with our very special guest. It is the senior reporter at 980 CKNW, Janet Brown, award-winning reporter, I might add. And Janet not only is, uh, like I mentioned, one of the best in the business, she is a hockey mom. And Janet, it's the... You know, it's a contentious debate, uh, not just on the show here tonight, but over the past number of weeks here in British Columbia, some people wanting to see minor hockey shut down, others saying it's being done safely, it's being done responsibly. You've got a personal attachment to this debate. So let me ask you right here, right now, should minor hockey be shut down? You know what I tell uh, people, John, when I'm asked that question? I say, you know, it's not up to me. I am not an expert. I am not a doctor. I am a reporter. I am a citizen of the community. I play by the orders and the rules handed out by Dr. Bonnie Henry. Whatever she decides and the experts that she works with, we will abide by that. I don't think it's up for me to interpret her decisions or make a decision based on her decisions what she says what she hands down i'll put up my hand and say yes whatever you want me to do i will abide by it because she is the expert and i am not so that's my answer to uh, that question well said we have those experts in place for a reason to help get us through 
situations like this and to provide guidelines so that all of us can follow and make sure we're doing our part to, um, you know, flatten that curve, as we've heard over and over and over again. But let me ask you this, Janet. What are you seeing in terms of the rules and the policies that are now in place for minor hockey that has you feeling comfortable with the way uh, that things are being played out right now? Well, let me say something off the top first. You said that junior hockey, that minor hockey is exempt. It is not. It is not exempt whatsoever, and neither are other sports that kids participate in. There have been a lot of uh, difficult stringent good rules that were put into place by, for instance, Cloverdale Minor Hockey Association, where my son plays, and all the other minor hockey associations across the province. They worked with Dr. Bonnie Henry and her doctors and officials to come up with these guidelines at the end of the summer. And so we've been dealing with them ever since the beginning. And uh, again, I'm going to say, it doesn't matter what I think about these rules or what other people think about these rules. These are the rules. This is what we play by. I'm not going to interpret, I think they're good or bad or otherwise. I think they're good rules because she's the expert and we're following them. So let me give you an idea how it has been for minor hockey since the beginning of September, really. Uh, at first, we only had practices along with other minor hockey associations. And, and we only had practices until very recently, actually, when uh, Bonnie Henry eased up restrictions somewhat and moved minor hockey and other sports to Phase 3, meaning there could be games. Uh, but Phase 3 did not last for very long. And Phase 3 still meant that you still had to play within your community, within your city, no travel involved. We could not go from Surrey to Vancouver or North Vancouver or Whistler or, or where have you, Sunshine Coast, where we normally play. So those were in place. Then the new restrictions came in last week. Dr. Henry moved everybody back to Phase 2, where we were at the beginning of the season, which meant no games again, only practices. But when there's only practices, John, or games, the COVID protocols have been excellent. They've been strict from day one, as I've said. Kids get dressed in the parking lot at the rear of their parents' vehicle. They cannot be near fellow players. So there they are down to their skivvies at the back of the vehicle in the dark or in the pouring rain getting changed uh, from their workout gear or whatever they're wearing into their hockey gear. Um, no congregating before games or after games. No hockey bags were allowed are allowed to go into the arena. They just carry a tiny bag with their helmet and whatever else they need, gloves. Uh, they have to wear a mask going into the arena and exiting the arena. They have to line up outside the arena uh, two meters apart, and now it's three meters apart. Uh, they have to be there on time. If anybody arrives late, they cannot go into the building. They all have to go into the arena together. There has been no hitting allowed in games or practices since early September. Uh, as I say, trying to stay physically distanced also on the ice. So, you know, we've been dealing with all these rules and regulations, and parents also have been living under rules and regulations as well. No congregating in the parking lot. You're right. It's a different experience for not just the players, but of course, everybody involved, including the parents. So I'm curious here, is it all worth it? Does it feel like those intrinsic rewards are still there for the players? I have to say, at least the kids are still getting together and they're still seeing each other face to face, even when they are practicing. You know, they, my son lives that. He lives to see his hockey friends, even if it is 
socially distanced, lined up, you know, talking to each other from a few meters away outside the arena as they wait to get inside or on the ice. And so I think that's a good thing. And and I know a lot of parents have told me if if that is taken away, if if hockey is totally shut down, they're concerned for their children's mental health and well-being. But you know what? Yeah, I agree with that because you know it also keeps the kids you know, off the video games and the computers and whatnot, and it provides exercise for them. But you know what? At the end of the day, this is how I feel. If Bonnie Henry decides to shut us down, she decides to shut us down. This is not permanent. This is just a time in our lives that we are going through. And, you know, the vaccine is coming. Things will end, people. Don't think it's all doom and gloom. There is light at the end of the tunnel. And this is just a time that we have to get through. And I know what I tell my son quite often is, you know what? This is not a time for a pity party. Just be thankful. You know, you're going to school. You are able to get on the ice and practice. And, uh, you know, we just have to buck up and get on with it. Well said, and I'll point out from personal observation, there haven't been a large number of COVID-19 cases in BC hockey, but it's in the dialogue. It's in discussion right now because uh, we heard that story last week. An adults uh, beer league hockey team in the interior apparently traveled out of province for a tournament, came back with a lot of positive cases for COVID-19, recklessly and just willfully breaking those rules but that again is a beer league and not a representation of the system that is in place for what we're talking about right now john before we wrap things up could i just say quickly i know i've gone on and on but uh, just something i would like to add there have been no covid cases on our minor hockey team uh, there have been no covid cases as far as i know in cloverdale minor hockey and yes that men's hockey group that went to i believe alberta yeah people are mad at them they're angry that uh, whatever they did caused, you know, a ripple-down effect to to put us back to phase two. But uh, the minor hockey associations, they are very well looked after, watched, and guided by managers, the presidents, all sorts of people involved. And uh, it's been run really, really well. And it's unfortunate that 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 team in the interior decided to do that. Uh, But regardless, at the end of the day, we have to play by the rules, do what we're told. And if we need to be shut down, we need to be shut down and try to stamp out this terrible, terrible virus. She is our award-winning senior reporter here at 980 CKNW, Janet Brown. And Janet, thank you so much for giving us some time and providing a, a very valuable perspective on the matter. My pleasure. Thank you, John. And, you know, you know, I think Janet brings up some good points. Like if it's being done safely, there are, of course, benefits to the players that are involved. Like she mentioned, her son loves to see uh, his teammates, loves to get involved. The physical exercise, it's good for their mental health. There are, of course, benefits. It's working out, exercising. We know it's been proven, scientifically speaking, it releases endorphins if you are exercising. You get your heart uh, heart rate up. Uh, you, you know, you're you're moving. Your muscles are all going. It's. I sound a little hypocritical because I don't do really any of those things on a regular basis. But I know it happens, and I know what she's saying is the truth. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? Because that's really the question. Yeah, we know there's benefits. But is it worth the risk? This is the Shift Daily Podcast. We want to get to a couple of texts and some calls uh, who have been waiting so patiently for us over the past few minutes. Let's get to it. It's Randall out in Calgary. Welcome to the Shift. Oh, hey, thanks for taking my call. You got it. Yeah, um, I really enjoy these uh, artist uh, features that you, you've been putting up. And uh, Hannah Epperson, uh, she gets my thumbs up for sure. Checked out her Bandcamp page here and looks real good. She's got some good work. So thanks for that. Really enjoyed that. You got it. I'm happy you enjoyed it. It's a great opportunity to uh, give some artists some love in uh, what's been a pretty tough time for them, of course. 
absolutely. On on the issue of children's sports and safety, um, I'm a bit of a critical thinker, so I you know I just had a look and uh, at some of the statistics, and it turns out that more than 3.5 million children aged 14 and younger get hurt annually playing sports, mm-hmm. and of those, more than 775,000 of them. Uh, ages 14 and younger, are treated in hospital emergency rooms for sports-related injuries each year. Meanwhile, the number of healthy children who have died or even experienced serious symptoms from COVID-19 is exceedingly small. Uh, One medical professional says in many cases where children are said to have died after contracting COVID-19, there's little evidence that it was actually the virus that killed them. And a UK article says that no healthy children have died there as a result of COVID-19. So, I mean, if we're talking about children's safety, yeah. okay, let's have a look at the real numbers and see which situation is actually putting them in the most danger. I think you make a good point because, uh, I mean, usually when we're talking minor hockey and risks, we're talking about, you know, uh, some of the more severe, like broken bones, maybe in the worst case scenario, you get a blade cut somewhere on your body and and that can be pretty serious. We're talking about COVID-19 and minor hockey, not so much. And and I thought we we, we might have brushed on this a little earlier, but maybe you didn't get the chance to to hear it at that time. The, The greater risk with this is not so much the lives of the young teenagers who are involved but more so the fact that they bring that transmission then into their household. And if, for example, they happen to live with one of their older relatives, such as a grandparent, well, we know the virus has been adversely affecting those who are older and those who have compromised immune systems. So while the children themselves may not be at the most risk from this virus, it's the fact that the kids, you know, they're not living by themselves at 14. They're living with parents, and those parents might also be immunocompromised. So I think it's the ripple effect that has more people, I think, concerned about the whole issue. You know, I'm so glad that you put it that way and mm-hmm. that you were able to have a, a decent discussion about this uh, from a critical thinking perspective, rather than just shutting me down. <laughs> and uh, like so many people do when you try to point out uh, something that doesn't fit their paradigm. Thank oh, you so much. No, not a problem. And Randall, before we, you, we let you go, you know, I, I'll admit, I, I, I try to make this as clear as possible. I'm no expert, right? I, I don't have any kind of doctorate. Um, you know, I don't even have like a major university degree. I, I, I just have a diploma where I got from BCIT here in Vancouver. So I, I just get paid to provide some opinions. And that doesn't mean stomping on people who disagree with me. It's encouraging some discourse as long as it's civil and we can get along and understand that, hey, sometimes we've got to make a compromise or just try to understand each other a little bit better. You're doing important work. Keep it up. You got it. Thanks a lot. That's uh, Randall out in Calgary with his call. And, uh, you know, that's the thing, too. Like, if you disagree, if you have counterpoints like Randall brought up, I encourage you to do that. And on that note, um, we, we did get a few more text messages before we get into the Portuguese lesson. We'll carry it into the next segment if we need to, Leo, because you're the teacher. You get paid overtime. Look at that. Uh, we just really quickly wanted to mention this one from John. He was responding to a text to... Uh, that Mark had sent in from Calgary earlier saying, brainwashed, well, come on, let's talk about shutting down all the stores tomorrow for six weeks and keep hockey going. Where are you going to get the food to have the energy to even play hockey or anything else? Do you have six weeks of food in your house? I can live without hockey for six weeks, but not food. Mark, give your head a shake. That is John, uh, you know, with his opinion on that matter. Robert in Winnipeg really quickly wanted to say, um, big box stores are going to be around after the pandemic is over. Shop local because it's small businesses 
forces that drive the cu- the uh, the country rather. And uh, our friend Gary Zeman at Edmonton wanted to remind me that regarding NHL teams trying to jump ahead of the line or, you know, the assumption that they were trying to do that. Uh, he brings up the good point, as are some of our texters also uh, made the point in, at 877-399-9898. The Calgary Flames in 2009 did jump the line to get the swine flu H1N1 vaccine. And uh, it was such a critical story that uh, Alberta health official actually got fired for allowing this to happen. And uh, Gary made the point, you know, John Shannon, who was the hockey insider who shared yesterday in a tweet that the NHL was thinking about buying the COVID-19 vaccine uh gary wrote if uh, john shannon and now it sounds like it's uh, as if he is an idiot which is not true and i have to apologize if i painted john shannon in that light i've actually worked with john uh, previously in my other radio stop john is a gentleman he, he is one of the hardest working members of sports media in this country and uh, he's an absolute class act and i think he's one of the best in the business so if you were listening and felt like i was disparaging john shannon that is absolutely not the case I want to make that clear. Uh, I look up to John as uh, a former colleague, but also somebody who's just excellent and and has always been so great for hockey information. I just felt that um, he, you know, the two tweets that he released, the first one where he announced the NHL was trying to look into purchasing COVID-19 vaccines, that one went out and sparked and was retweeted thousands and thousands of times. His follow-up tweet, where he was clarifying that the NHL was not in a position to do that right away and that it would not be jumping the line, that one got retweeted, I think, 650 times compared to the thousands and thousands from the original tweet. That's my only remark for John Shannon. It's that the most important information, which would have clarified a whole bunch of this, was unfortunately buried. And that's just uh, you know bad luck. Maybe it's just bad timing. I don't really know. All I can tell you is that those tweets were one after another on his timeline, but it's only the one that got mass attention. If you had read both of them at the same time, you would have probably calmed down and taken a deep breath. So again, John Shannon, absolutely one of the best. 877-399-9898, always encouraging all the kind of responses and reaction, uh, even if it's disagreeing with me as always. But for now, let's get to it. The most highly anticipated moment of the show. Let's learn Portuguese with Uncle Leo. Hi. Here we are. Just so we haven't run out of countries yet. So no. this is uh, I believe the third biggest Portuguese speaking country in the world, which is the nation of Mozambique. Mozambique? It's, yeah, down in South Africa. Oh, right. Okay. I, I've heard of Mozambique. I uh, yeah. couldn't tell you where it is on a map. I'm being honest with you. Yeah. But that's cool. All right. Yes. Great little anthem. Yeah. So we're learning Portuguese with Uncle Leo, as we do once a week on this show. And uh, tonight, uh, we've got some interesting words and phrases here for you. Let's start it off right away. Let's do one or two here, and then we'll come back and finish it up. Let's start with carbon tax, because, of course, that's one of the big buzzwords over the past 24 hours. So, Leo, how do we say carbon tax in Portuguese? So... Carbon tax, which is two words in Portuguese, is going to be four words. Oh. So it's going to be imposto, which imposto means tax. Okay. But you just can't put out, in Portuguese it doesn't work, like uh, the tax and just the, the now. Now, so you got to put a pronoun, uh, yeah, preposition. Uh, sorry, you got to put a preposition and a pronoun. Oh, wow. And a noun. 
So that's imposto sobre. Uh, that's the preposition. Then the pronoun o carbono. Imposto sobre o carbono. Okay, hold on. Imposto sobre o carbono. O carbono. So the way car- I only sound Italian doing this, man. Yeah, I'm like, not trying so to. So carbon, like to translate to Portuguese, is carbono. So you add an O to the end. Gotcha. But you got to switch the stress syllable. Instead of car, the stress syllable is bo. Oh, okay. Imposto so, sobre o carbono. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. Yeah. Butchering, yeah, butchering through this. Okay. All right. Yeah, good. Uh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, what about vaccine delivery, since we're talking about the NHL and all that? Yeah, vaccine delivery. So the terminology, it's not a literal translation because delivery in Portuguese means entrega, but that's not the term that they're using. Right. Like um, they're using distribution. Ah. So in, uh, down in Brazil, they're using vaccine distribution instead of delivery. Okay. So... It would translate to distribuição, which means distribution. Distribuição da vacina. Distribuição. 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 Da vacina. Da vacina. Yes. Distribuição da vacina. There you go. Oh, that's tricky. But it rolls really nicely off the tongue. All right. So we've got carbon tax and vaccine delivery. We will continue our Portuguese lesson with the man himself. We'll skip the Mozambique anthem. Apologies to the great nation of Mozambique. I hear it's just beautiful out there. But for now, uh, let's quickly get into this one because um, I don't want to wrap this up without saying Merry Christmas. Now, I bring this up because uh, usually I'd be able to join you next week and, uh, you know, say Merry Christmas and and spread that festive spirit a little bit closer to the 25th. But truthfully, for the sake of transparency on this show, I will actually not be here next Friday night as I'll be uh, unfortunately committed to duties on 980 CKW during the day, which means Eric Chapman will be filling in next Friday, working alongside Leonardo Coelho. So tonight, as we do another lesson in Portuguese, I wanted to say Merry Christmas to you, our wonderful listener. And Leo, I need to know, how do we say this in Portuguese? So to our listeners, Feliz Natal. Feliz Natal. There you go. I like that. Not Rafael Nadal. It's <laughs> no, Feliz it rhymes, though. Natal. You can write poetry and, 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 you know, you can make a rhyme Nadal and Natal. I so. want to see Nadal when it's Feliz Natal. There you go. Something like that. Uh, okay, fair enough. It, it works. Yeah. Uh, we got this one listener request from Catherine in Surrey. She, wanted, she wants to know, how do we say sweet summer child in Portuguese? Because she was remarking on the comment that I made to you earlier in the show. I said, oh, my sweet summer child, you didn't even know what Y2K was. Oh, oh yeah. Well, it wasn't a thing like in the Southern Hemisphere, <laughs> uh, the acronym, like the year 2000. Yes. Uh Anyways, that has a specific sent, uh, sentence. Uh, we don't have like a, you know, a catchphrase like that. Mm-hmm. But we do have a literal translation, which is used like in children's books. So, sweet summer, uh, sweet summer child, you can say that it's a, it's a doce criança de verão. Because yeah, doce, doce criança de verão. De verão. So, de verão. De verão. 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 Oh, verão. Oh, that's oh, tricky. Doce, no. Doce. Doce. Criança. Criança. 
de verão. De verão. 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 Oh, my God. Yeah. No. I'm just going to try sweet summer channel. How about that? Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, because the dulce being sweet. Yeah. Criança is uh, child and verão is summer. All right. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you and uh, bom dia to our listeners. In, yeah, uh, there you go. Yeah, I remember that. Bom dia to our listeners in Brazil. I know, Leo, you like to uh, let people know, your friends and family in Brazil, that the show is live. And you uh, you let yeah. the good Brazilians know that, hey, we've got your show if you yeah. want to learn Portuguese, even yeah, though you're The sun is up there right now because it's about... Almost uh, 7 a.m. Oh, that's lovely. Bom dia to all those listening in all the Portuguese-speaking countries in the world. It's a pleasure as always. This is the Shift Daily Podcast. Hey, thanks for checking out the Shift Weekend Podcast with John Jang. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so that you can always be caught up to date on what's happening on the show.